Welcome to Crossroads Podcast, where you can get all the information going on in town for those who want to be in the know. Crossroads. We want to welcome to the show today, Lake Ray Roberts, Isle Dubois, office manager, Randy Killam. I want to thank you, Randy, for coming to the show today. You're welcome. I'm glad to be here. Awesome. Randy, would you tell us a little about yourself and what you do as the office manager at the Isle Dubois Park? Well, I am primarily, and my staff and I are primarily the first face of the park when you get there. We take uh, money for people to get into the park. We help make reservations. We check people into their campsites. We sell the annual pass to people and answer a lot of questions. Yeah, speaking of reservations, <laughs> you want to alleviate a little bit more on that and the importance of those? Well, ever since 2020, when COVID hit, and we were shut down for 10 days, and then when we opened, we were we reopened with a limited capacity, the, uh, um, the need for people to make reservations for day use increased terribly. It was a program that was always part of our reservation system, but it wasn't something that needed to be used very often for parks like ours. Parks like uh, Enchanted Rock, where they have to really schedule how many people can get into the park at any given time. It was always a big deal there. What we have found is since we have a ton of new people coming out to the parks, the reservations are, are really mandatory for weekends, especially holiday weekends. That's that's great. So how, how would a person go about making this reservation? You can go online. In fact, they have to be made in online ahead of time. We can't make them at the office. If you go to texasstateparks.reserveamerica.com, it's a pretty simple process to walk through. The trickiest part is just making sure you select the correct park that you want to go to. You can select Greenbelt, Isle de Bois, or Johnson Branch. And they're in alphabetical order, so if you're not watching, you will click one that you don't mean to click. And if we reach capacity, that reservation is not good at our park. Okay. So it's very important that you pick the park. Absolutely. And a lot of people also forget that our sister park, Johnson Branch, on the north side of the lake, has all the facilities that we have. Um, and so, and there's a perceived uh, distance that's really untrue, especially if you're coming up 35. It's actually just as close as we are. So, because of that, they don't tend to get as much of the day use visitation that we do. Um, so, when we reach capacity, we're sending people up that way. Oh, okay. I'll have to check that out. I didn't, I was not aware uh, even then. <laughs> Which is why we're doing this podcast today, because we truly do have a gem up there. Absolutely. In Pilot Point. Oh, yes. Isle de Bois last year was the most visited state park in Texas. Oh, I believe it. <laughs> it it's fantastic. My, my wife always tells me every time we go up there, it reminds her of the Black Sea and the beach, the sand and the water. And, and it really does. It, it does uh, oh, it's, simulate it's, that it's, very it's, much. It's very... 
unexpected this far up in North Texas to find a nice white sandy beach like we have. And that sand continues all the way down into the swimming area. So you don't have a lot of undergrowth and a lot of other things that you'd get like right along the shoreline if you're camping with us. So it's, it's I believe, one of the nicest swimming areas around. Oh, definitely. Well, with summer just around the corner and school getting out, would you share with us some of the amazing programs that the Isle Dubois has to offer? So right now we're celebrating 100 years of state parks. Um, I should have brought a list of different things, but we have a Facebook page. And on the main web page for state parks, if you uh, stretch down into the links into whichever park you're looking for, there's an entire list of things going on. She has tons of really great stuff planned this year. She did something last weekend that was called... Uh, Squirrel Olympics, and basically she let the little kids run around and do activities like the squirrels do when they're scampering across a branch or things like that. Um, in the middle of May, we um, all state parks uh, met or tried to do at the same time uh, making the most s'mores ever made at one time. And we got into the Guinness Book of World Records doing that. The event was called 100 S'more Years. <laughs> that is cool. It was a lot of fun. It was, it was People just came out and we just gave them the, the makings. Or if they brought their own, we just set up a big fire and made s'mores. It was really cool. Yeah, you can't go wrong with s'mores. Definitely not. Well, in the day-to-day -day operations at the park, would you share with us some of the challenges you face as an office manager? Honestly, it sounds weird to say, but one of the challenges is being as popular as we are. Um, we have a limited capacity, which was never an issue again until after COVID. But when we got three times as many people coming out to our park as used to come out, we reach capacity on a regular basis. And it's in incredibly frustrating, but understanding why people get upset when they've traveled an hour or an hour and a half to get there. But we've really been trying to get that message out. You really need to make a reservation, which is counterintuitive to going out to spend a day in the park, I understand. But it's kind of turning like any other business. We have to control how many people are in there. Otherwise, the resources start to get damaged. And that's our number one priority is to conserve the resources. Absolutely. That's very important. Well, Isle Dubois State Park is a protected reserve. Could you tell our listeners the types of conservation programs the park offers? Um, there are a lot of things that are offered both through our Greenbelt team, which uh, does the Greenbelt uh, parks that run along the Elm Fork Park uh, branch of the Trinity. Um, they also do programs within the park where they're doing prairie restoration or they're doing uh, clearance of invasive species. And those are really good programs. And we get a lot of different groups coming out to help with those. That's great. That's great. Randy, do you encourage families to come out and get more involved with the Isle Dubois State Park? Absolutely. Texas State Parks are a treasure that most people do not even realize. Um, and one of the things that comes with so many new people coming and so many different um, 
cultural differences of uh, how people view nature protection and stuff. It's a really big part of what we're trying to do is encourage people to come out and use our facilities and have a good time, but for, to protect them and conserve them at the same time so that we're not having to undo big messes. <laughs> right, right. We understand that you have a museum about the park for visitors to participate in when they come out. Please tell us about the museum and what to expect when you visit the museum. Well, it's really more of a nature center than a museum. We have some really good um, display boards that show and explain a lot of the flora and fauna of this area, um, both historically and current. Um, and we have some taxidermy uh um, animals that you can see and they do big uh, programs. It's called uh, one of the most popular programs. It's called Skins and Skulls. And it shows kids, lets them get up, up close and personal and touch different types of furs from like skunks and squirrels. And I think they even have some deer pelts and, and things like that. And the different skulls from those animals. So you can kind of get to know the structural uh, integrity of them. So it's really more of a nature center. Um, we have a couple of live snakes in there that kids can see, a couple of rat snakes and things like that. And then again, it's a lot of hands-on stuff. So kids kind of get to understand nature better. Right. Last time uh, my wife and I visited it, they had a really cool garden spider, <laughs> great big guy yeah. in there. And uh, it was ironic because we had one of those making a web right <laughs> above my garage door. It freaked my wife out. She didn't know what. To... I told her, I said, that's a harmless one. You just leave him alone. He eats lots of mosquitoes and I'm not going to, mess with his web you know while he's there and uh he stayed probably for the best duration of the summer until my quarterly uh bug treatment guys come along and then they swiped him and his web away so absolutely uh, <laughs> poor guy <laughs> he had a good thing going there but uh yeah that I, I loved it um those looking at the different snakes and the spiders. Well, and most of them in our area are not venomous. Um, there are a few that you have to be careful of, but you know, one of the things that people just need to remember is that they don't want you, they don't want to be around you any more than you want to be around them. And as long as you're, you know, chatting while you're walking or shuffling your feet every once in a while, they're going to get out of your way and they're not going to be a problem for you. Um, but you do have to be aware it is nature and there are things that you have to be careful of. Oh, definitely. A uh, neighbor friend of mine uh, down the road here, she has chickens, and her big challenge is this little bobcat female had some cubs, and she's been picking off her female birds left and right. So I, she doesn't want to shoot the bobcat. Nope. But... Uh, I, and and that's what happens when you have you as know. much growth as, we, as we've had out right. here. Yeah. I mean, it's in the last 15 years, it's just exploded out here. And all that nature has to go someplace. <laughs> yes, indeed. I've, I've actually seen bobcat tracks around my neighborhood. So I'm like, oh, I'll make sure to keep my eyeballs open for one of those. And that's <laughs> not one of those that you put out a saucer of milk and go, here, kitty, kitty, no, kitty. In fact, you want to make sure your kitties and puppies are, <laughs> are, in, are watched when you when they go out at night for that reason. Right, exactly. Oh, wow. <laughs> so does the park have a volunteer program for young adults as well as big adults? Yes, we do. Um, that's all 
kind of coordinated and managed through our website again. There's a tab at the bottom of the page that if you're going to volunteer at a state park, you need to go down there and fill out all the information. A lot of it has to do with liability and things like that. We can, if we have uh, kids that too young, we need to have guardians there with them. Um, and if they're going to be doing long time work in the park, like our park hosts who live on facilities, there's a background check involved and things like that. But right now, we have probably more park hosts in our park than we have paid staff. And they do a tremendous service for our parks that we could never afford to pay for. If, I mean, if we had to, if we had to be paying those people, our budget would be blown so much faster. So volunteers are incredibly important. Um, the only issue I see sometimes is people think they can just call up and come out and do something right away. It takes a little more coordination than that because we want to make sure, A, we have something that's worthy of them to do so that they feel that their time is well spent and that we can coordinate it so that we don't have people just running around doing things that we don't have control over. Oh, exactly. Now, I know there's a lot of deer out there because I've seen them come right up to the car on the road. How, how do you guys care for those? Well, th- we don't really do much other than try to keep people away from them. Um, unfortunately, when people are camping, they try to lure, lure the deers closer and feed them and stuff. And it's really something, again, it's understandable. They're cute. They're adorable. You want to be close to them. But when we mess with nature like that, it throws off the balance. And if they become too dependent on people feeding them, then they can become a hazard, both to themselves and the visitors. Um, we want people to drive through and look at our deer. We have a huge amount of deer born every year and they're gorgeous, but they do get peopleized and people need to remember that they are wild animals. And if we do things to interfere with that, we can cause real issues for them. Right. Have you ever had to thin out the herd? To my knowledge, no, but there is a natural thinning out of the herd. Um, deer get hit by cars, unfortunately. Um, yeah. Some are just weak and don't make it through. Um, but no, we, to my knowledge, we've never done a culling of that herd out there. Oh, that's good. That's good to know. What other wild animals do we have? Primarily, t- typical things that you see in this area are going to be skunks, armadillas, uh, possum. Um, there is a bobcat or two around the park that we see, but they, they're very elusive. They like to be out at night. They don't like to be around people at all. Um, we don't have any other, I mean, no, no big mammals that people really need to be concerned about at all. Um, it's just your typical nature. Right. So no brown bears. No bears in this area. <laughs> and much to the chagrin of most people, no acknowledged alligators in our lake. Um, could there be? Yes. Are they natural there? No. Um, and I know supposedly there is one or two in Louisville. Could they make it up this way? Possibly, but they'd have to get through the dam. <laughs> that's <laughs> so, a little challenge. So, so that's probably not likely. Um, but no, we have no regular or authenticated, uh, sightings of alligators in our lake. I believe somebody was telling me once there's a, a little mythological story and pilot point about a 
some type of a lake creature. Mm. I've not, I've not heard that, that one, but uh, you know how, you know how legends go. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. I was just wondering if you'd heard anything. Nope, I, ha- I have not yeah. heard that one. <laughs> well, next time we're up at the, at the uh, theater, I'll see if I can get a hold of, I think it was Ben that was telling me about that, or uh, maybe it was Basil. And yeah, there was a great big old story on it. Some property owner, Came face to face with it, and I mean, you know how that yeah. goes. Oh, absolutely. The only thing I've ever seen, and this has been ages ago, and I'm sure it was, again, somebody dumped it off at the park. Was a fairly large uh, Gila uh, lizard that was in the water, and someone had netted it up accidentally, and they were like, "Well, what do we do with this? And Leave it alone. Put it back." Yeah. <laughs> but again, those aren't natural here. But if you dump anything into a, an environment where they can make get enough to eat and survive, they will survive. Now, will they peripherate? Perif, you know what I mean. <laughs> well, it would have had to have had yeah, a, a Mrs. Would have had, to, would have had yeah. to have a mate to do that. Right. But they're not probably going to, um, you know, grow in numbers at all. No, probably not at all. You're right. <laughs> Well, is there anything that I might have missed that you can tell us on the goings-on at the park? I just I want to encourage people to uh, be aware of and get out to their state parks. Like I said earlier, we are celebrating 100 years of state parks. It's kind of exciting to be a part of that, um, considering this is probably going to be my last year working there. I'm looking to retire in December, oh. so I'm really excited to be a part of that. Um, every park in uh, the system is planning some sort of activity, and a lot of them are geared toward wherever they are or whatever is unique or special about their park, so check them out. If you don't have a state park pass, they're a great deal. If you purchase one of those, you can go to any state park and have your entrance fees waived, and a lot of people just keep the copy of our catalog in their uh, that in their. Um, glove box and decide if they're going out for a ride. There are tons of parks within two hours of the DFW area. Of course, I'm a little partial to our park. Um, but there are other really great parks within a two-hour radius of uh, DFW just to get out and do something different with your family for the day. Yeah. Well, what date uh, are you guys going to do that celebration? The... the um, the S'mores one was in the middle of May, and there's not a, like, major one at any given time. They're just trying to use the whole year. Oh, So okay. if you go to that, like I said, go to the website, check out parks in, uh, in your area that are close to you, and they'll have a list of different things that they're doing over the next six months. Great. This sounds like a lot of fun. It is. Definitely. Okay. Well, you heard it from Isle Dubois Office Manager Randy Killam today. Thank you again for coming on Crossroads Podcast, Randy, and we wish you the best of luck as you and your fellow park rangers work hard, making Isle Dubois State Park a nice and safe place to visit. For questions and comments, please contact us or email us at crossroadspodcast2023 at gmail.com. Make sure to check on the town website, www.crossroadstx.org, for local meeting times. Make sure to go to the town park on Saturday mornings to pick out the freshest produce from Dunn Farming, 7 a.m. to 11 p.m. on the first Saturday of each month, the Mega Market. 
from 7 a.m. to 2 p.m. Tune in next week as we have more amazing guests on the show, like Vince Luan from the Vince Luan Project. Be on the lookout for our steam mayor, Lynn Tompkins. See you at the top.